It's Tuesday, February the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the WTO gets a new leader and North America freezes over. First, the world in brief. Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala, Nigeria's former finance minister, was unanimously elected as the Director General of the World Trade Organization by its members. She is the first woman and first African to lead the multilateral trade system. In her acceptance speech, she described the problems facing the body as numerous and tricky, but not insurmountable. She also urged members to reject vaccine nationalism. Turkey accused America of supporting the Kurdistan Workers' Party, PKK, a separatist group which it accused of executing 13 Turkish hostages in northern Iraq last week. The PKK denied responsibility, blaming the deaths on a Turkish airstrike. Elsewhere in Iraqi Kurdistan, rockets rained down on an American base at Erbil, killing a civilian and wounding five others, including an American soldier. Canada and 57 other countries, including America, Britain and Japan, called on governments to stop detaining foreign citizens to exert political pressure. The declaration does not name any country, but foreigners have been recently arrested on apparently spurious grounds by China, Iran, North Korea and Russia. Two Canadians accused of spying have been detained in China for more than two years. Winter storms of record-breaking severity descended on North America, landing especially hard on Texas and northern Mexico, where they cause rolling blackouts affecting millions. Communities on both sides of the border depend on natural gas for power. Pipelines in Texas were frozen solid. President Joe Biden approved a declaration of emergency in the state, promising federal aid. A day after Guinea declared an Ebola outbreak, the Democratic Republic of Congo began a vaccination campaign to combat the virus, which was identified in North Kivu province on February 7th. Congo's most recent outbreak, which was brought to heel last June, killed more than 2,200 people. A global stockpile of 500,000 vaccines should help control the virus's spread. Data gathered on Israel's vaccination effort suggests that the Pfizer-BioNTech jab is 94% effective in preventing symptomatic COVID-19 infections, meaning it is as effective in real life as under lab conditions. Separately, the World Health Organization approved the vaccine developed by AstraZeneca and Oxford University, which is relatively inexpensive and easy to distribute for emergency use. And Jaguar Land Rover announced that its Jaguar brand will go fully electric by 2025. The British car maker, owned by Tata Group of India, plans to make almost zero vehicles with an internal combustion engine for its other brands by 2036, the year after Britain bans sales of new ones. Nissan, a Japanese rival, recently rejected overtures from Apple to produce an autonomous electric car together. And now, here's today's agenda. Don't bring your whole crew, Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras in New Orleans is normally a rowdy affair, but today's celebrations will be more muted, and for good reason. By Fat Tuesday last year, there were just 16 official cases of COVID-19 in America, But according to a new working paper led by a scientist of Scripps Research Institute in California, the festivities were a super-spreader event. 
About 50,000 cases can probably be traced back to a single individual in attendance. The authors combined genomic information with travel data from smartphones and flights to show how the virus was then spread across America's south. They argue that their research, a cautionary tale about how chains of infection run rampant, should inform decision-making about new, potentially more infectious variants. New Orleans seems to have learned from last year, parades have been cancelled and bars shut in parts of the city popular with revelers. Not inoculated yet, Europe's economic performance. Last month, the Leibniz Center for European Economic Research, ZEW, in Germany found that investor morale rose because of improved prospects for exports. Today's ZEW survey is likely to reveal a gloomier mood. According to a poll of economists by Reuters, the euro area's economy is in a double-dip recession after lockdown restrictions were prolonged to combat a resurgence in cases of COVID-19. Their already bleak outlook might darken further yet, Only last month, the same economists predicted growth of just 0.6% for Europe's economy this quarter, after it shrank by 0.7% in the last quarter of 2020. Delays to the European Union's vaccine rollout, worries about new COVID-19 variants and rising unemployment together pose a serious threat to recovery. Today's publication of revised euro-area GDP figures will probably confirm that economists' pessimism was justified by marking a contraction in the first quarter of this year. All that glitters, SPACs The fashionable trend in capital raising in 2020 was undoubtedly the Special Purpose Acquisition Company, or SPAC. They are publicly listed pots of capital run by investors who find firms to take public via merger. This process is often quicker and easier than a traditional initial public offering. In January, as many as five SPACs were launched every working day, raising $26 billion. Hundreds more made their debuts in the previous 12 months. SPACs holding $100 billion or more are hoping to buy companies worth $500 billion within the next two years, That would be around 1% of the total value of all American companies. This frenzy appears to be good for firms. It increases choice over how they go public. But the trend does not yet appear to be good for backers. Investments in SPACs underperform market indices over the medium term. Some financial experts see such structures as a cause of previous speculative booms and busts. Buyer beware. Back again, COVID-19 in Oceania. Australia and New Zealand, two countries that have embraced a zero-tolerance policy towards COVID-19, have received their first shipments of vaccine. Soon they will start inoculating people. Over 200,000 doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech jab arrived just as both countries were dealing with new outbreaks. 17 cases in Melbourne, the capital of Victoria, have been linked to a quarantine hotel. Auckland, New Zealand's largest city, is undergoing the country's first lockdown in six months after three cases were identified in a single family. Mysteriously, two of those are of the highly infectious B117 variant, originally identified in Britain. Around the world, more than 176 million doses of vaccine have been administered, but the infectious variants are spreading fast, going from just 4% of new cases in Denmark in the first week of this year, for example, to over 45% in the latest figures. 
COVID-19 is far from beaten. Slowly turning off the tap, Singapore's budget. The city-state announces its budget for the next fiscal year today. Last year, the economy shrank by 5.4%, plunging Singapore into its worst recession ever. The government injected an unprecedented 92.9 billion Singapore dollars, 70.2 billion US dollars, almost 20% of GDP into the economy. The finance ministry says that prevented the economy from contracting by more than twice as much. Expect another enormous budget as the government pursues growth of between 4% and 6% this coming year, with support earmarked for struggling businesses and poor households. But it will probably taper spending. After drawing 52 billion Singapore dollars last year, the government wants to stop dipping into the national reserves and trim the deficit, projected to hit a record 15% of GDP. The wage subsidy scheme introduced last year will probably continue only for those in the most blighted sectors like aviation and hospitality. Focus will turn to retraining workers for a post-pandemic economy that may need fewer cabin crew and tour guides. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Michael Shea, who died on this day in 2014. While it is foolish to deny the dark around us, it is futile to exaggerate it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.